0: Yeah. Friends, hear the good news. Who is in a position to condemn? Only Christ. And Christ died for us, Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Friends, believe the good news. In,
1: in
2: Jesus Christ. Christ. we pray that you would bring focus to our hearts and our minds send our thoughts to where they need to be to be completely understanding of what you have for us this morning we're thankful for this memorial day weekend we're thankful for those who gave of themselves the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom we pray for our country we pray that those sacrifices would not be in vain We pray that you would guide and direct the leadership of our country and remind us that our freedoms came with a cost. And as we see flags this weekend, remind us of those who gave of themselves for us, but also remind us of Jesus, who was the ultimate sacrifice so that we could be completely free from our sins and look forward to a relationship with you father our hearts are broken our minds are confused by what we've witnessed this week in in the brokenness of our world we pray for families in Uvalde we pray for those that lost children we pray that you would through your understanding through your love through your peace that passes all understanding, would come before them. We're thankful for the community of faith that, that mobilized quickly to come together to lift that community up. Father, these kinds of things are, are on our hearts because they have happened so frequently. We pray that you would be with, with the, the children who witnessed the trauma, Pray that you would give us opportunities to speak into that community. Thank you for those from our church that are deeply connected. Give us wisdom and direction as we seek to serve you there and to bring light into the darkness. Father, we're thankful that your grace is sufficient, and we do pray for that all-sufficient grace to be the comfort and peace For even us, as we have stepped, we are far away, but we are affected. Father, give us opportunities to be involved in the lives around us. We're aware of the mental health issues. And and this church, you know, you have directed us in reaching out. Give us opportunities to to be involved in the lives of the people around us and help us to be your messengers and your light and your ambassadors. Father, we pray for those from our church that are sick and needing your healing touch in their lives. Pray that you would provide for them what they need. Pray that you'd be with the caregivers, professional and family and volunteers that you would just bring them back to full strength and health. And for those that are grieving because of the loss of a loved one, remind us that we grieve, but we don't grieve without hope. Because in our grief, we are reminded of the power and authority of Christ's death and resurrection, and that we all look forward to that day of resurrection. Father, go before us As we seek to serve you here in this congregation, we're thankful for the leadership that you have given, that you have raised up, and we pray that you will continue to give us that direction. We pray that you would give us opportunities to be involved in the hearts and lives of people around us, inside these walls, in this city, and in the world around us. Father, we're thankful for your grace we're thankful that your love endures forever and we're thankful for the way that you work in each of our lives every day father help us to live as jesus taught us to live and to love as jesus taught us to love and now help us to pray as jesus taught us to pray our father who art in heaven As we prepare to receive offerings and tithes this morning, if you, are, if you want to, and certainly we are searching diligently for ways that we can speak in to our neighbors who have gone through this tragedy. But today, if you mark an offering for work in Uvalde, uh, it will be given to that. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be other opportunities to contribute. We are still scratching the surface as to what our church can do. But we're thankful for folks from our church uh, that, that have had relationships in that city. And we're looking for the wa- ways that we can contribute. So today, if you mark an offering for Uvalde, that will be uh, given and, and pulled together and and sent to a place or an organization that is working there to bring about peace and comfort in the midst of this tragedy. Giving is not something that we just do. Giving is an act of worship. Today, as we receive His tithes and our offerings, I pray that, that we will continue in worship and also reflect on when, as we give financially, reflect on how we might give of ourselves physically involved in ministry and challenge to use our gifts and talents for him as well. As the ushers to come forward, we'll receive our morning offering. father we are thankful for the way that you bless us and take care of us and provide for us and we're thankful for this opportunity to worship together in giving your tithes and our offerings for the kingdom purposes of this church and around the world bless these offerings bless these gifts and use them multiply them And give us opportunities and use us to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you that your love endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: church spirit of righteous made perfect and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better speaks a better word than the blood of Abel see that you do not refuse him who is speaking for they do not escape when they refuse him who warned them on earth much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven At the time of his voice, shook the the earth, and now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, the things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. The grass withers and flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to your word. That we might clearly understand it, that we might gracefully receive it, and that we might faithfully apply it to our lives. Father, as my words are true to your words, may they be taken to heart, but if my words stray from your words, may they be quickly forgotten. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I've always loved that prayer because it reminds us of one thing that is true, that the word Speaks truth, the word speaks comfort, and the word is ever present in our lives. I add my greetings to those that you've already heard. If you don't know who I am, my name is Alex Lorio, and it's been an honor and a joy to serve you this morning and to worship with you this morning here at First Presbyterian Church. Today, we continue our walk through the Book of Hebrews and clearly see how God is speaking through us through His Word. He is speaking a word. And a word of truth. And a word that is truly unshaken. Unshaken by the culture that we live in. Unmoved by the forces of the darkness. Unwavering from the brokenness in this life. And it is that very point that makes our hearts breathe as we worship this morning. Knowing that there are families and loved ones that wrestle with the questions of this life and the evil that is present but not ever-present. No, it is not. For God is the ever-present one. God is the sovereign king over all things, and that very eternal father, that desired to respond to the evilness and sin in this life. It is not only something that we are able to see in the text today, but a testimony from the story of God, and the story that he is continuing to write. We recall that when God made all things, he made it good. There was no death. There was no disease. There was no distortion of the things that God had formed. The only thing that God said that was not good was that man was alone. Thus, he responded to that. Soon after, he would then respond to the fall of mankind. It is the enemy, Satan, who deceived Adam and Eve as they made their way for sin, death, and destruction to enter our world. And when we face moments like the horrific events of this week, we at times have a knee-jerking reaction saying, oh my god. Oh my god. I can't believe it. A phrase that, depending on the context, absolutely communicates a moment of complete shock. Thus, we cry out. This week, church, we cried out, our hearts are broken, broken and mad. We as a church have been given the gift to be mad with righteous anger and to sin not. We see this in Ephesians chapter 4. This anger is not one that demonstrates that this, this anger, a righteous anger, a healthy anger, is one that demonstrates the very fingerprints of God, who despises injustice. And with our convictions, we, as a church, are free to act, to be instruments, to bring comfort and hope. It is this very gift that God has given us to freely act. We are given a free gift of this free will to make decisions in our lives, to get involved in the ways that God is convicting us to do so. The enemy, the enemy whose mission is to steal, kill, and destroy, has taken that very free will that you could be used to love others the same way as Christ first loved you. He has taken that free will in this world as a means. um, And though it was originally intended for a means to be a blessing to others, he has possessed individuals by their own broken emotions, misplaced passions, and dysfunctional minds to further breed brokenness, destruction, and even killing those made in the image of God. Our hearts are grieved church. And the church should be moved. We should be moved to compel to act. And if you're convicted to act, I would say do so in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are compelled to act, my prayer is that you would be gracious as you are compelled to act. For if he for he is faithful and desires you to use the gifts, talents, and abilities he has called and equipped you. But church, be warned. If we are convicted with a gospel-influenced conviction to act, it is not our job to highlight our own actions. For that too is an issue in God. The world has influenced individuals and organizations to be self virtuous and to make sure everyone room knows that I am more virtuous, I am more virtuously found than others. Scripture says beware of practicing your righteousness before others will, in order that others may succeed by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. No, church. Church, let us be different.
3: Let us be sent.
1: Let us be used so that we can be light that shines in the midst of darkness. Church, it is a dark time. Beloved, this, week, this text reminds us that God, the God that we serve, is not dormant. Amen. Amen. He is not asleep, nor is he passive. Our God is not one that remains idle, but has been and always will be ever present in our times of need. And even now, as we the sin and the brokenness in this life, we can look to the heavens knowing that this present suffering will come to pass. And that he will make all things new. Our three focus that we have today as we read this text is an unshakable kingdom that is, that is written to read. An unshakable savior that has responded to the issues of this world and the striving for an unshakable confidence from an unshakable identity that we have in Christ Jesus. The unshakable kingdom, this is the very first topic reference when we look at this text, but the question is, how do we get here? After all, the very beginning of our text says, for you have not. The author previously was connected the point being made in his argument of the kingdom of God. If we can recall last week's text, the author highlights like the discipline that God brings to whom he loves and the desire to build up those so that they, the audience all the author is speaking to, might be able to endure their journey. In a journey many years of the making of which there is a destination. The destination in question is Mount Zion, a location separated from other places where the Spirit of God dwells, which is different than the location where God was present to give the law, like Mount Zion. We see here again, as we see in your reading, but you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire, a darkness of gloom, a tempest, that the sound of trumpets and the voices of whose word may be and made no further messages to be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If a beast touches the mountain, they shall be stoned. Indeed, was so terrifying. The sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. This is alluding to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is a place where we can recall great moments in biblical history. And the, the author further strategically points this out. In the context of this letter as a whole, we can recall that the author is communicating that Jesus is better. And this is clearly communicated in chapter 3. From the beginning of this book, the author has made it abundantly clear that the focus is Jesus Christ and all that the Old, Old, Old Testament made a way for him to save us. The question here then is, save us From what? Save us from what? I highlighted this question a few weeks ago as we were in the beginning of chapter 12, where the reason why Christ is the founder and protector of the founder and perfecter of our faith is because that we are imperfect and we are flawed. And he makes a way. The reason we know this is because we can wrestle with our sin that separates us from a holy God. He is holy, and he is just. And because he is just, our God is a God of justice. But what is justice if there is no standard of the law? Enter Mount Sinai. God in all of his power, first of all, saves Israel from Egypt. And at the mountain, Moses, who is a patriarch of the faith, ascends up to the mountain to convene with God the Father, and God blesses us with the Ten Commandments. Today I will not expound on the complex blessings of each commandment, but what we can clearly declare today is the law became a mirror of which we can look at and we can see that we repeatedly fall short. Though a system was placed in a tabernacle to make us right with God, we learned the fundamental truth, which is a golden nugget that I've given to my college students. So if you would be able, everybody hold up your hand like this, hold the golden nugget in your hand, and you're going to put it in your pocket. This is the golden nugget and a truth that will always follow in this world. The most consistent thing in this world is the inconsistency of mankind. If you want to bet on something, Bet on that, we fall short and we stumble. Our sin is what made us, uh, our sin is made evident by this law. And thus the description of this mountain that we have today would be the emotions that we would have recognized. That is, that at Mount Sinai, a mountain that can be touched and understood and grasped, touched. A mountain that consumes and overwhelms from a human mind a blazing fire, a mountain that when, understood, when we understand the law and the standards, we must judge ourselves. We are overwhelmed by our failure, the darkness, the gloom, and the tempest. And the mountain were the very voice of God that spoke the world into existence, that very same voice whose words made the hearers beg no further message to be spoken. A mountain that shined a light on mankind's total depravity, a mountain that highlighted the distinction between holiness and righteousness. A mountain where one of the greatest servants of God used to bring about liberation and freedom spoke, I tremble with fear. This is all in contrast to Mount Zion. And yet another golden nugget is given. So everybody, your first golden nugget today was that the most consistent thing in this world is the inconsistency of man. But yet I got another... Nugget for you. Everybody, hold up your nugget. Here we go. Everybody, hold up your nugget. You gonna put it in your pocket. There's enough grace for that. I pray you would never forget that golden nugget. That there's enough grace for that. There's enough grace for the sin that is in this world. There's enough grace for the brokenness in this life. There's enough grace that is given because God chose to respond. This is what we see at Mount Zion. The author uh, contrasts Mount Sinai to Mount Zion to communicate one thing: Mount Zion is better. The author writes, "For you have not come to Mount Sinai, but you have come to Mount Zion, and what is his description? A city of the living God, living, not dead. A, one that uh, not dead, not a dead god." that cannot hear, not a dead God that cannot speak or respond, but a living God, one that is proactive to save us from ourselves, one who speaks words of encouragement and love and truth so much that he made a way for us to be saved even in the midst of our brokenness. If Jerusalem was a place that was promised to his people, then the heavenly Jerusalem is the place where all God's people will find eternal refuge. The comfort of being with God is further communicated because of the assembly of angels that are present and very great. Jesus is the judge and the mediator of this place. As Moses brought the law by Mount Sinai, Jesus fulfills the law and offers the gift of grace. It is this grace of Christ that saves us, not from the enemy, Satan, for he has already been defeated, amen? He doesn't come to save us from him. He comes to save us from a holy justice that was deserving to fall upon us. Such a tall order can feel so overwhelming. It can can be, and it should be, and it can be, if we feel like we can try to save ourselves. But church, we know that we can't. And thanks be to God. Our God is a God of mercy, so much so that he sends his one and only son to take our place. If Moses liberated people, from an earthly oppression, Jesus liberates us from far greater. He liberates us. And Jesus is communicated to be communicated to be the refuge of our salvation. Mount Zion is illustrated as a place where the new covenant has been given because it has been, the old covenant has been fulfilled through Christ Jesus. This covenant speaks a different word than the blood of Abel which cries out for vengeance. No, but, the, but this word, this covenant speaks of the blood of Jesus that establishes a gracious pardon and cleansing by our Savior. And how are we able to do this? Because just as this is an unshakable kingdom, we have, church, an unshakable Savior. Savior. The author is then pleading with the reader, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking who is speaking God the author looks back one more time to the point of uh, he was making about Sinai where the voice of the Lord spoke and when he spoke a law was giving a given that nobody could escape from it was applied to all mankind and the reason for For that was because all things were created by him from the beginning. Nobody can shake the sovereignty of God, no matter how hard we may try. No matter how hard we may try. It is because of that fact that the author yearns that the reader pay close attention. If you thought the quaking of the earth was terrifying, much more will it be when the, heavens, when the heavens remain by his word. And when the final word comes, all that the Lord commands will come to pass. And all that remains will be what he ordains. If we are of Christ, if we are of Christ, church, we have been spoken for. We have one that will stand in the gap and speak on our behalf. Christ is our mediator. He is our mediator. He, fully God, fully man, endured, served, and suffered to bring salvation. A salvation that meets us right where we are at, to take us to a better place. A salvation that saves us from our sin, that separated us from God. And he then transforms us into something new. Not that that we would remain in our sin, but that we would be renewed in Christ. For when we stand before a holy God, we can see and understand the weight of our sin and the just punishment that we deserved. Yet, our King Jesus... Whom all authority in heaven and on earth that had been given to him by his father speaks on our behalf and mediates for us. He is mine. He is mine. I'm a part of his flock. We, church, are a part of his flock. Therefore, we can have full confidence in him. It's not about what we can do, it's about what he has already done. We believe in an unshakable Savior. And because of that, we desire to have a confidence in him, an unshakable confidence, because now we have an unshakable identity that we are sons and daughters of the living God. The old has passed, the new has come, and thus we, church, are free and free indeed to be the disciples in this world, to shine a light in the darkness wherever we go, no matter the heartbreak no matter the frustration, no matter the anger, no matter the joy of where we walk into, our prayers that we would be a light that shines. Church, it is because of him that we have confidence. And this is why the author finishes his point in the writing. As you can look down at your text again, it says, therefore, let us be grateful, grateful for receiving a kingdom that, we cannot, that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. But can we be honest for a second, church? Can can we be honest for a second, church? There are moments when our confidence is shaken. We can feel defeated. We do not know what to do. We are overwhelmed by the pressures of this world and the brokenness of this life. We can hear a word that is preached today and say, I believe that God can do mighty things, yet I doubt. Beloved, you are not alone. It is in our doubts that God meets us. And just as we spoke from the beginning, the heartbreak and the tragic moments and the anger we feel because of the injustice that is present in this time can cause us to be restless We tossed and we turned saying something should be done and hoping that something will be done. And church, something has. Beloved, God responded to the brokenness by sending his son. And it is the freedom that is found in him that the strong message of the gospel, we now are commissioned to go forth. You are commissioned to go forth. And as we, church, as we go forth in a posture of gratitude, gratitude because we remember that we ourselves were once enemies. We ourselves were once at odds with God. We lived contrary to his mission and his message, yet he was mighty enough to save us. Thus, we are grateful that we can acknowledge that a Savior was sent to redeem and restore all things all things to himself and it is because of that we believe and have faith and we will receive a kingdom that has no end but until that day comes when Jesus comes until that day comes let us offer as it says in the word let us offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe, as the text says what is worship church Worship is much more than hymn and a song. It is action. The acts that are gospel-centered and gospel-focused to bring hope in a hopeless world. Something should be done. Yes, you are right. Something has been done. There has been something done. A savior was sent, a promise was given, And an order has been commissioned to those that call themselves disciples of Jesus Christ. Are you one? Someone should do something. Yes, you are right. What have you done? What act of gospel-focused, gospel-centered action have you committed yourself to participate in? Are we not told to spur one another to love God and do good works? We should remember that, for it was only two chapters ago in Hebrews that it was told to us by the author. Church, this is the interesting thing. You know me. You know me. I'm, a, I'm primarily a contemporary guy. Let's just be honest, okay? I dress weird, and I like say things, and some people are just like, what did he say? Like, I don't understand that, right? I'm normally a contemporary guy. And some of you may know that when I come to traditional service, I call it, I got to get in full pads. right? I got to get in full pads because I got to get all robed up, right? I'm in full pads because the robe reminds us, it reminds us that whoever is here to do liturgy and whoever is here to speak the word, that it has nothing to do with us. We are all uniform because it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do about him. And just like in football, if I'm in full pads and I am prepared for full contact contest, I reminded that I do not do it alone, that I am a part of a team and that we are one. And church, when I look out into this congregation, right here, right now, I see a body of believers, each with their own gifts, resources and abilities to be the hands and feet that God has called us to be sent. So if you are wondering someone should do something, I wonder who, beloved, the who is you. Let us, church, us together, Let us be done with the need to be perceived as virtuous and to live sacrificial life with no recognition. Let us be done with remaining dormant and thinking someone else will do it or someone else will share the gospel with that person. Church, let us be done with saying that it's just not how God has equipped me. I I wasn't equipped that way. God didn't put that on my heart. I wasn't equipped that way. No, church. God has given you everything you ever needed and to say otherwise demonstrates that you have a very small view of God. You are blessed and highly favored, church. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. And I say that in my, in my benediction, in my, in my benediction. And so long as there is breath in your lungs, God has a plan and purpose for your life. You are called to be in the game. You are called to be on this team. And as we're on this team, we can do it together. And church, I'm not saying these words because I've got it all figured out. Because I don't. I don't. And I am pleading with you with my hand extended. Beloved, let us walk together. Let us all walk together and ask God how he can use us in these moments of dire need and love. Church, let us join the dance of this life. Let us celebrate with gratitude the gifts that have been given to us. Let us weep with those that are weeping and encourage those that are downhearted. Let us be open to discipline, to discipline dialogue, to seek out healthy answers for our questions. And when we have decided in one spirit to act, let us do so in the name of Jesus. Let every action that we take be worshiped to our God and our King. And if we do not know how to participate or where to go, let us pray that the Spirit leads us right where we need to be. For if a pillar of fire was able to lead the Israelites through the darkness of the wilderness, so too shall the Spirit of faith in God will light our way and our calling and our purpose for our lives. Let us be angry with the injustice and the pain of this life and be reminded that the world, this world will soon pass. And until that day, O oh Lord, Compel us to do all that we can with everything we got to be disciples of our King Jesus and ambassadors for the gospel for others for we have nothing to fear. For our God is an all-consuming fire that destroys the imperfections and refines all. And if you can just think about gold for a second as I wrap up this sermon, you put gold into a furnace and you got to sit in the midst of the heat and the tension and the pressure. And that's us, church. And our prayer is that we would be in the midst of it because just as a furnace bubbles up the imperfections of gold and all that is left is pure refined gold so too we ask the lord to refine us and our hope is in jesus who will return amen our hope is in jesus who will return amen Amen. as revelation says and i heard a voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of god is with man he will dwell with them and they will say His people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither there shall be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed. And he who is seated on the throne shall say, Behold, I am making all things new. That's our God. That's our King. And he is sending you. And I invite you. He's sending you to invite others to know him until that day comes again, to be an instrument of grace and an instrument of love in the midst of this broken world. Brokenness like this week, church, will come again. We must be prepared. Prepared to pray, for we know that God hears our prayers. Prepared to act, for we can be used. Prepared to trust in the Lord, for we strive to have an unshakable confidence in him because we have an unshakable identity in Jesus Christ. I close with the words of Paul to the Thessalonians. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, that you, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you church is faithful, and he shall surely do it. Brothers, pray for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, our hearts are grieved. Our hearts are in a posture where we just are asking the question, Lord, what shall we do? We pray that your spirit will help us discern the steps we should take. And Lord, as we are led by your spirit, Lord, let us reach out our hands with joy and with gratitude. Grateful that you've invited us into this ministry. Grateful to invite us into the tensions, into the pressure, for we know that you have responded. Lord, we love you and we thank you through Jesus Christ our Lord. And All God's children said, amen. No.
0: Hi, friends. Thanks again for joining us for worship here at First Presbyterian Church. For more ways to get involved, please be sure to visit our website and follow us on social media. Thanks again for worshiping with us, and have a great week.